Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. So you heard Kevin Nagandi of SportsCenter essentially say we had to wait 580 days. What's a few more hours? Kev was referencing the three-hour weather delay when Mother Nature was at the top of the leaderboard at Augusta. And you just heard Michael Eves, who's doing our coverage on ESPN, say 44 guys still got to finish. The first of that group will go out at about 10 minutes. Again, featured group coverage ESPN plus 7.30 a.m. Eastern. Coverage on ESPN also at the bottom of the hours. They'll try to wrap round one, get to round two. And, fellas, the big story in round one was Tiger Woods bogey-free, four under, 68. Traditionally a slow starter at Augusta, but anytime he's in contention at this event looking for his sixth green jacket, looking to creep closer to Jack Nicklaus on the major championship list Tiger's got 15. Jack, his boyhood idol, sitting there at 18. There's some long-term great storylines, and Jay, there's some short-term storylines. Tiger is in the hunt at the biggest event in golf, and everybody is hyped. Look, there might be some times during this show for the next three hours that I am distracted. It's because I have the Masters on right now. I am actually watching Tiger hit at the – well, that's not Tiger. It looks like Tiger, but the lighting's dark. Uh, guys at the range. And so, it, look, the way he struck the ball yesterday, you felt like you were watching Tiger find his groove. I mean, to have the opening round with no bogeys, never done that since he's played at the Masters, just feels like he's in a perfect position to strike. Now, I think conditions really helped him out, that slow postponement that they had at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I was joking around Key that, you know, obviously when greens are a little bit soggy, you mean they soggy, roll a lot high, slower. Uh, but as the sun came out a little bit, they started to dry up. He started to feel the putter a little bit better. That feel, I think, goes a long way. Missed a birdie on 18, but still, the way he ended the day, he's in position. That's, what you, that's all you can ask for if you're Tiger. Yeah. Well, you're in contention this early on, something historically when he's gotten to the master, he hasn't been. He's come on late. Mm-hmm. So I I feel good about where he's at in the position that he's in. Listen, um, if three back same, of the lead, yeah. uh, you you got to certainly feel good. And I don't think Tiger thought going in to the last day that yesterday that he would be three back. He probably felt like, okay, I'll play well, I'll feel good, but I'm going to do what I normally do, which is play catch up. I guess question for you, Zubin, is that do you, would you believe that uh, Paul Casey, considering that last year opening round he shot 86. He obviously is at the top of the leaderboard. Is that sustainable for somebody like him who's been a little bit volatile throughout his career? Well, I think the biggest thing for somebody like Paul Casey and a lot of other guys in the field you may not have heard of is he's in search of his first major championship. Mm -hmm. And there's an old cliche, and I don't want to go to the cliche, but I am a sportscaster, so we specialize in cliches. Sports center. They often say the Masters doesn't begin until the back nine on Sunday. In other words, when your knees start knocking, when you go to Amen Corner, you need to knock in this putt to stay in contention. Tiger's been there before. All these other guys have been there before. Somebody like Paul Casey is looking to break through for the very first time. I can't wait one day to see Jim Nance and Keyshawn in the 18th tower with Key giving <laughs> no, us all Key this golf No, because Key would have to whisper. You imagine <laughs> Key trying to whisper for a whole five hours? Well, first of all, Jason Williams, if I'm at a damn golf event, which I've covered before, whether you believe it or not, I know how to whisper when I need to. But I'm not you? at a golf event right now. I'm on Sports Talk Radio and ESPN. We know where you are. And we're having conversations about golf amongst many other sports. But when you want to talk golf, we can certainly talk golf. It's not a problem at all. I like that. Okay, fair enough. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. No, I don't have to do that. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin is brought to you by DraftKings. But you do realize (laughs) when you start talking golf, even on this show, you do bring it down. Hush tones. I'm like... (laughs) <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even say anything. I just sat here. I'm like, okay. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to let Zubin do Zubin. 
Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Brought to you by DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and use code KJZ to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. You know, one of the big stories in the NFL this year that isn't getting a ton of talk, but week by week is ramping up significantly, significantly, is the fact that everybody said these young quarterbacks are going to struggle. Joe Burrow, no rookie minicamp, no OTA, no preseason, no training camp of a real variety, a truncated training camp. It wouldn't look the same. Tua won't look the same. We don't know when we're going to see Tua. Justin Herbert was even the right guy for the Chargers. Everybody said this year, with most of the offseason program eliminated, the guys that would struggle the most would be rookies who don't get the reps and Mm. rookie quarterbacks who need to see action. But lo and behold, Burrow has looked great. You've been on his train the entire way. Tua, small sample sizes look great. And Justin Herbert, out of nowhere, has looked absolutely Terrific. Now, I know he's a big Pac-12 guy. He wants to step in there for a second, but there's a lot of people that were wondering exactly what he would bring to the table. I, I don't – no, I, I shook my head because you said out of nowhere, and I'm like, that's, it's really not out of nowhere. If you watched him, much like you said, Pac-12 guy, and if you really watched him, you knew exactly his ability and what he was. Just because a guy is ranked as the number one quarterback one year and then he falls a couple years because people – are going to surpass him that we don't even know who it is. All of a sudden, it's like, well, where did Joe Burrow come from? Or where did this guy come from? It doesn't mean that that guy doesn't become a great fit for the team that drafted him. Um, circumstances is all about that. And I think when you look at a six foot six, 230 pound rocket of an arm and a guy who has some mobility when need be, you, you sit there and you, if you're, if you really are scouting and paying attention and really know what you're looking at, you knew that he was going to be fine when the chance came and he took his opportunity and they gave him the opportunity by, I don't mean to laugh, by puncturing the lung of his quarterback at Tyrod Taylor, which catapulted him to the starting job 20 minutes before kickoff. That was a medical mishap indeed. People were shocked by it. People are also now shocked at these particular comments. I want you to listen to Marcus Spears, ESPN NFL analyst. (laughs) He was on the Max Kellerman show yesterday, and he is advancing the theory of a couple of our colleagues that Justin Herbert has a little Mahomes in him? You know, it's funny, Max, because I heard R.C. and Dan Orlovsky say this is the closest we'll get to Patrick Mahomes. And I was like, all right, fellas, come on. Come on now. Because I've been watching Herbert, and I've been super impressed by what he's been able to do. But, Max, they not wrong, bro. No, he's a lot like Mahomes. He's a lot like him. Not just a – he's a lot like Patrick Mahomes, bro. From the standpoint of being able to improvise, right, the great ones have to be able to improvise on a level that, that, that consistently shows up. And the fact that this kid is doing it and had no reason to believe that he was playing this year. Jay, what do you think about that? They all seem to be in lockstep about this. I I don't know what the big deal about them saying that he has a little bit of Patrick Mahomes in him. I mean, you can see slight skill aspects that players have that can remind you of other aspects that other players have. And I think that's what they're alluding to here. Hey, his elusiveness, his ability when he gets out of the pocket to make plays happen, happen, uh, his arm strength, things of that sort. I don't think that's that absurd. Uh, I'm fine with it as long as he ain't. As long as they're not comparing the overall body of work, the skill sets, what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do, how he's been able to take over for Alex Smith in a short period of time, and then get an MVP, 
win a Super Bowl, have them on the verge of going to a Super Bowl if it wasn't for a toe on the end of the line, those sort of things. As long as they're not comparing it to that, then I'm okay. Mm. I don't have no issues with them saying, much like you say, Jay, a throw here, a throw there. Because you can look at certain players and say, oh, he reminds us of Jason Williams. Look how he punches through the hole and then dishes. Or he reminds us of Zubin. Look how he sets things up. I mean, that's okay. As long as you're not really like trying to say that he's getting ready to take the Chargers and put him on his back and he's on the verge of $500 million contract. As long as you don't say that, <laughs> then I ain't got no problem with it. I have no problem with it at all. Yes, Jay was dishing dimes at the highest level of basketball. I'm just dishing to sound. It's not really. Well, I appreciate you're dishing you dimes but, at a pretty you, high level right here, Zubin. But you, but, but you are doing what a lot of people wish they could do. We're talking sports at a for high a living, level, right? We're talking at, sports not, for a living at a high level, though, mm-hmm. not at a level. A lot of people wish they were sitting in this seat doing exactly what you do and do it well. So all I'm saying, as long as they're not trying to compare to people, it doesn't, you know. It, it, it Because if you're trying to compare Justin Herbert to Patrick Mahomes, it's not it's not like that. They both are, are young. They both are great quarterbacks. But Patrick Mahomes is so far ahead of Justin Herbert, you know, it's not even funny. He's way ahead of him, in fact. I think Justin Herbert, over time, is going to be one of those top six, seven quarterbacks that we continue to talk about year in and year out. I think – one of those lines, it feels like it's almost like clickbait to a degree because when you hear it, the shock value of it, you're like, there's no way you can actually compare. But when you think about the nuances and slight aspects of their game, like, okay, that makes sense if you're looking at contextually. But I agree with Key. Like, the whole body of work, if you're saying that, that's that's dead wrong. Well, I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence will be compared to him soon too, I'm sure. Yes, and let me give you a quick anecdotal example. Patrick Mahomes had difficulty getting college scholarships. He overcame a lot of adversity before Texas Tech came calling. When Justin Herbert walked onto Oregon's campus, he grew up a mile away from Austin Stadium in Eugene. He was the six-string quarterback. So numbers are there. Fake six-string, no, that wasn't a real six-string. Similarities. Took him a, exactly. took him a while to play. It's the battle and the adversity and the grit they had to come through to get to where they're at. That's a great comparison point as well. On the way, Herbert faces the guy picked right ahead of him in the draft this Sunday. What do the fellas think about Tua and Justin on the same field? It's all part of four downs. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's l e c t r i c ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Oh, Four Downs is brought to you by Geico. Whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Go to Geico.com today. First down, Chargers and Dolphins. This is an interesting game, fellas. When you think about it, Tua Tungavalea uh, and Justin Herbert meet in week 10 after they selected. Both of these guys are selected in the first round the same year. One goes five, the other slips and goes a little later. But Justin Herbert is a guy who's coming on. But you got to think when the Miami Dolphins made this decision to go to Tua in place of Fitzmagic, everyone figured the season was over with. He's ran off two straight victories in a row. One against the Arizona Cardinals prior to that, they beat up on the lonely Los Angeles Rams. So you talk about these two young guys, they'll be forever linked together because of the draft that they came out. You think about the Ryan Leaf, Peyton Manning situation, everything you knew about them compared long-term. One career went one way, the others went another. Both of these guys are terrific. I see their careers going in similar paths with each other. Yeah, a lot of focus has been on Tua Tungavaloa, uh, but I'm more interested in Miami's defense, actually. They've scored a touchdown in their last two games off their defense. All of a sudden, it looks like their defense can make some noise. Justin Herbert's been putting up big numbers, but I think Miami comes through in this one. Second down, Bills and Cardinals. This is a huge game for both teams, in particular really big, though, for Arizona, in my opinion. Here's a team at 5-3 and three that's trying to stay in contention to win this division. I feel like Buffalo's going to win the AFC East, even though they're only one game up on the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo's been playing pretty good football of late. J- Josh Allen has kind of turned back to that early MVP conversation form that he had with Dan Orlowski. When you talk about the Cardinals and Kyler Murray, this is an interesting football team, I would say. Their defense scares me a little bit. I'm excited about what they do in the air raid offense in terms of scoring in bunches, putting up a lot of yards. But winning 35 to 36 every single week is just a bit of a heart attack for me. Yeah, I have the Bills in this one. Uh, There's been a lot of talk when we've been comparing Kyler Murray to other great players. Did you watch what the Bills did to Russell Wilson the other week? Did you watch how many times he got sacked, how hard he got hit? Let's see how Kyler Murray responds to the physicality that the Bills bring to the table. Third down, Seahawks and Rams. This is an interesting football game here. Division rivals, they know each other really, really well. The Rams play Seattle extremely tough with Russell Wilson. The defense of the Seattle Seahawks have given up over 3,500 yards this year in total offense. And the Rams have some high-powered players with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And when you look at Jared Goff trying to continue to play as well as he's been playing, not putting any stinkers out there uh, of late. So when you talk about that, the Rams defense and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and those guys – pinning their ears back to try and go get Russell Wilson. Jalen Ramsey on DK Metcalf is going to be an interesting, not only conversation, but battle. Imagine what those two will be saying to each other, especially (laughs) Jalen Ramsey. Didn't Jared Goff come off a pretty horrible game against the Dolphins? Yeah. Yeah, That's what I said. Hopefully he won't be putting any more stinkers. Any more stinkers out there. Well, this is a secondary to do it against. I just find it hard to believe that Russell Wilson is going to lose two games in a row. But I, I think that they get it done, obviously, against the secondary of Seattle. Fourth down, Buccaneers and Panthers. Six and three Buccaneers take on the three and six Carolina Panthers. 
Carolina, when you look at them without Christian McCaffrey in the lineup, they've been okay. They fight. They fight, no question about it. But this game is all about Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, and the offense. What are they going to do? How are they going to bounce back after putting a dud against the New Orleans Saints together? Can Tom Brady figure out how to get the ball to Mike Evans? Can Tom Brady figure out how to utilize Antonio Brown since they wanted to get him so bad into the lineup? Now they got him. Let's see how they utilize him and do some things. Can this Buccaneer defense turn back to what they were prior to seeing the New Orleans Saints against Teddy Bridgewater in that offense? You know, can they run the ball? Can they establish the ground game? That's important initially, too, to keep the defense honest. Only four rushes against the Saints. But still, I know they're playing behind. I agree with Key and everything he says about targeting Evans and targeting Brown. I think if there's one game, even though they played the Chiefs really tough last week, if there's one game you can bounce back on before you play the Rams, it's against the Panthers. I think the Bucks bounce back pretty hard. Bonus death. Ravens at Patriots. This is an interesting game because mm-hmm. last year Lamar Jackson became the youngest quarterback in Super Bowl era to beat an 8 0 or better team when the Ravens basically shellacked the Patriots 37 20 last year. He went nuts on them. Can he do that again with a struggling Patriots team? That offense and Cam Newton sputtering along, you know, trying to get things done. I always go back to the fumble with Cam Newton against the Buffalo Bills. He fumbled that football. If he holds on to it, they may go on to win that game and have two wins in a row after last week's victory. What will this game be like? Is Bill Belichick going to allow Lamar Jackson and that offense to get the best of them two straight years in a row? I don't know. It'll be fun to watch and see. You know, when we were on with Bart the other day, Key, he, he made the point that so much of the salary cap has gone towards the Ravens' defense. And, you know, look, Patriots played against the Jets, that's fine. That's not the Ravens' defense. So if there's one thing that the Ravens hang their hat on, it's going to be their defense. We'll see how Cam responds. And I also know Lamar has to throw outside the numbers. What are his targets? It seems like two offenses that are trying to find each other, but I know what the defense is going to bring to the table for the Ravens. I wonder if Stephon Gilmore is going to play. That's an interesting question. We'll keep an eye on that. On that game, you guys mentioned those guys together on the field on Sunday night football. And yes, earlier in the week, some of Lamar's comments about perhaps when he goes to the line of scrimmage, the defense knows what's coming. I'm running to the left. (laughs) Yeah, you're running to the left, bro. (laughs) That got a lot of play. Keyshawn Keyshawn says that's not really a big deal. But this is really big when regarding the respect that – Lamar has for Cam. I want to just read you a couple of quotes that Lamar said about Cam and get your thoughts on this as they prepare to meet on Sunday night. This is Lamar, quote, and think about this when everybody's down on Cam Newton. Just think about this, quote, I watched Cam since Auburn. Everybody in the country did. Everybody knew about Cam. Superman doing his thing. A lot of us looked up to him. Then he said he won the Heisman, won the college championship, won MVP, went to the Super Bowl. I followed him a lot. Wanted to get where he's at. Now I'm here. Now I've got to play against him. I just can't wait to do that. And he followed up with the headline that you may have seen on your phone yesterday. Game recognized game. He's the OG Superman. How about that? That is some respect, respect from Lamar. That is some respect. Two former MVPs. Well, he, he knows what he's looking at. I mean, Cam, you know, Cam struggled this year. Okay, he struggled. All right. That's, we get it. He, he got hurt last year. Okay. <clears throat> but when you're polarizing like Cam, people want to step on you when you struggle. That's just... What it is. The moment the moment that and I just hope that he gets back to winning and just balling out so he can laugh at everybody that thinks he's a joke right now. I it, really do. You know what, Key though? It, it's interesting. Every time we come on air and we feel like we're in a very reactionary culture where it's easy to become prisoner of the moment. What have you done for me lately? 
But when you contextualize it, when you take a step back and you look at the full body of work, what Cam Newton has been able to do, would you expect him to do more? Everybody's always expecting somebody to do more. But hearing Lamar talk about all of his accomplishments, I mean, the body of work speaks for itself. Uh, you know, when you say expect for Cam to do more. I'm just saying, you know, look, we come up with argumentative topics all the time. And I see Well, that, I don't. That'd be the not, producers. Not you, I'm just saying in general, though, <laughs> and you hear this amongst talk radio, sports talk shows, like, you know, I hear it for John Calipari in Kentucky. Right, do you expect he should have won more? He should have. It's not enough for all the recruits. Like, it's so hard to win. It's so hard to of be course. an MVP. Of course <laughs> it is. That's why, that's why I just laugh when people say stuff. It's because it's funny. When Cam, Cam is polarizing, man. Okay? He's not the normal. He doesn't, first of all, he does not. When he came into the league, uh, I don't even however many years when he was a number one overall pick, mm-hmm. one of the first things the owner, at the former owner in, in, in the Carolina Panthers, asked him was about an earring and tattoos. Mm. Like, that's start, right? You start exactly. there. Then he has the scarves and the dress and the way he does things. Then he doesn't dive on the ball at the Super Bowl, so that became a major problem. Then he doesn't answer the questions at the Super Bowl, so that becomes a major problem. And then it just it steamrolls from there because they don't really understand who they're dealing with. Like, you don't – sometimes the media doesn't understand who that individual is that, they're, that they are interviewing. Because they, if they're not picture perfect, if they're not the all-American well, person, it's not even it's the all-American. It's, it's, it's what has traditionally been a certain way well, at yeah. that position, mm-hmm. the way that you carry yourself, how you – the guy went into New England, had just signed with him and was getting – he was getting his butt just handed to him on sports talk radio in New England – Hasn't he didn't even hadn't been in the building yet, and they were going at him. Why that is, I have no idea. It just happens that way. But I think when you look at the body of work and you win, winning makes a lot go away. Yes, it does. It, it when you win games, people forget about all the other stuff. They like, yeah, we take him. I remember when Cam was in Carolina, man, and he did his dance. He did something, and a lady wrote a letter talking about he should get a ball in the stands. It's like, what are you talking about? He's been doing that. That's what he does. But that's just how people are. And he cannot worry about individuals in the fans and people in the media. You have to play and do what you can do to help your team win. I am a living witness of it, man. I went through it my entire damn career about this and that. And I was just like, you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. But when I leave off the field – I don't have to do an audition or nothing. Or I go right to Sunday and Monday countdown because they got it. They understood it. And, and they knew who that individual person was because they had the opportunity to sit in pre-production meetings and judge based on that, opposed to what somebody is writing in a newspaper or somebody saying on SportsCenter based on a clip or two. They had context with that right. by being able to sit in exactly. to pre-production meetings with me to be able to go, oh, okay. Yeah, I know what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at it, that's the way it's always been and set up. Lamar's going through the same thing. They don't like the way that – well, I don't really like the way he throw either sometimes, but people don't like his style of play. All he is is a Cam Newton in a mirror waiting to happen. Like, what are you talking about? So if he goes on to take – They're completely to, different. Completely different. different. Like, they're completely. not the same at all. But there's people out there – 
that are comparing. They're athletic. They run. They're. I'll say it. They're black. They're quarterbacks. <laughs> I'll say it. <laughs> like, you didn't have to say it. I, well, just but you got that- you got two quarterbacks that have struggled to throw the ball in their careers. They both happen to be very dynamic with the ball in their hands when they run. They both have to be, happen to be black quarterbacks. Both wear single digits. Somebody pointed that out to me in our production meeting. And and so when you start to look at those sort of things, people want to compare that. It, it's it's crazy. Two different type of players. One dude is a slasher that's a, that has some crazy acceleration, mm-hmm. and another dude is a tank or a train on wheels or whatever you want to call it. LeBron James running through you. I mean, and so these are two different type of players in two different systems in two different situations. There is no comparison. One thing I want to mention, Sunday night, this is the thing you have to think about. There are nine players in the history of football that have won the Heisman Trophy and been an MVP, and two of them are on the field Mm. Sunday night. Think about that for a second. That's a very, very exclusive group. We're asking the Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin Nation wow. this morning on Twitter. That's interesting. That's interesting, right? Always teaching Zubin. <laughs> to describe your oh, favorite NFL team in two words. And uh, make sure you tell us who the team is. Just don't give us the two words. We, then we have to figure it out. So just give us team, two-word description. Let's give you a few examples. Dunk Nasty Flex on Twitter just hit us up and said, Rams, overrated coaching at art. Surprised that was available. That's probably an early one. You got to get <laughs> yeah, at art. Early. That's an early one. The first one. on Twitter. Yes, Texans struggling hard. And at Don Barber seventy three, what do you think he said for the Jets? Key, give me two for the Jets. <laughs> Keep it clean. Uh, sorry, of course. Three That's words. Three. Oh, I don't. <laughs> two I words, man. Said, man. I'm not a Twitter guy, so I don't know about all that stuff. <laughs> they went with dumpster fire. Don Barber seventy three went with dumpster fire, which. Could be the most appropriate one of the three, to be honest with you. All of those responses coming your way on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Still to come. I ain't listen to nobody on Twitter, man. <laughs> well, he's not wrong about the Jets. <laughs> no, that's true. But Dumpster he's wrong fun. about the Rams. Overhyped. What do you say? Over- Overrated coaching. That's a shot at Sean McVay. Another no, two Sean, Sean, McVay, McVay. Sean McVay knows what he's doing. He's a little, he has a little Chucky in him, but he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Got a break. <laughs> Indeed. Still to come. Week 10 of the NFL season has begun. So why is a team so hyped, so hyped, to get their fourth win of the season on Sunday. That's in one minute after SportsCenter. Colts should get good field position out of this one. They block it. The Colts block it. It's picked up by the Colts. And that's TJ Carey. Special teams. How about you? Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. A block punt for a touchdown. All on 107.5 and 1070. The fan, the Colts over the Titans, 34-17. So both teams now sit at 6-3 and three atop the AFC South. Circle November 29th on your calendars. That's when they will meet again in Indy. Maybe that will decide the division. We'll have to wait and see. The Colts had the NFL's best defense. The Titans found out the hard way. Tennessee did not score a single point coming out of the locker room the second half. The Masters is again underway on ESPN. Coverage is there. Featured groups on ESPN+. Plus. Just about 22 minutes ago, they finally got back out there. Yesterday's first round suspended due to darkness. Got 44 guys that got to finish that first round. Then we'll start the second. Tiger is four under. Three back of the Englishman, Paul Casey. He was a bogey-free four under yesterday. Three back of the lead. And leading the pack in the MVP, Jose Abreu of the Chicago White Sox is the American League winner Three years, $50 million contract before the start of the season. Only in sports can I say something like that is a bargain, but it really was a bargain because he balled out. And Freddie Freeman edging Mookie Betts to take the National League award. Freddie Freeman (laughs) 
Mookie got the hardware. He got the real hardware that counts, right? He's got a couple of World Series. Uh, Freddie, by the way, the coronavirus and said it was so bad at one point, he didn't have the energy, barely did, to walk from one end of his house to another. And he ends the season as the best player in the National League. Incredible. Sports Center brought to you by Shell. Get more time to listen to our show by going to Shell and getting three things done at once. First, fill up with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus, then save up with the Fuel Rewards Program. Finally, snack up to save even more at the pump. Make the most of the stop you need to make with Shell. I actually thought that they should have kept Nick Foles rather than Carson Wentz, just based off of production. What? What? What are we talking about? He's like red wine. He's great in moderation. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's a guy that you just want to have bits and splashes of. What What is is he he doing doing in in Chicago? Chicago? Nothing. Nothing. He must only be paying attention to the Nick Foles that actually plays in Philadelphia because the dude that's played everywhere else is is sort of terrible. Oh, my. That's the worst take I ever heard. That was all yesterday on the program. So if you're not listening to the program, you're missing out. You're getting a diversity of voices. People are all over the fa- uh, f- uh, all over Uh-oh. the place. Excuse me, on uh, Foles and Wentz. It's the uh, sports story that just keeps on giving for Sports Talk Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and all of our guests join us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, including Sal Palantonio, who's been around and been covering the birds as long. As anybody. All right. Obviously, Sal, the big story earlier in the week, many people heard about it when you talk about Brett Favre coming out and saying he thinks the Eagles picked the wrong guy. They should have went with Foles. Instead, of course, they went with Wentz. With all of that as the backdrop, a 3-4-1 team getting ready to play Jays Giants in what is a, no pun intended, gigantic game for both teams, especially the Eagles. How confident are the Birds right now and the teammates in Carson Wentz? Good morning, Zubin. Good morning, uh, Key. Good morning, Jay Will. I would say they are cautiously optimistic that he will be able to turn it around. Now, they've had, you know, the entire bye week to examine the problems of Carson Wentz. And they're big. You know, we're not going to sugarcoat it. They are big. Uh, And, you know, when you do that kind of examination – as I did, as a lot of reporters, a lot of coaches, obviously in Novacare, you're looking, you're looking at the film, you're looking at the tendencies, and you're trying to find out, okay, what's gone wrong with this guy? 16 turnovers, 12 interceptions, leads the league in turnovers. And specifically, you look at three things. You look at film, you do a little statistical analysis, and then you rely on human intelligence. It's three parts. So let's take it in part one. It's pretty clear that he has problems with zone coverage. Eight out of his 12 interceptions have come in zone coverage. What does that mean, Key? That, that means he is not manipulating anybody with his eyes. He's locking on receivers, right? Because if you're playing zone coverage in the secondary, you're watching the quarterback's eyes. Am yep. I correct about uh, that? 100%. Sal, can okay. I t- – Sal, can so, I t- – can I just tell you, I love when you yeah. ask Sal, uh, uh, when you ask Key a question, but then you answer it and Key's about to talk. It makes me laugh. Thank you. <laughs> Continue to do that throughout the course of the show. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. No, no. You're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah, no. Uh, because I want to rely on Key, you know, uh, uh, Key and I have had a long history together, and uh, I, I love his analysis of the game. It's always spot on. So, you know, I need a little confirmation from him. So, so the secondary is locking on uh, on Carson Wentz's eyes, which means what? It's so facto, he is locking on receivers. His eye manipulation of the secondary is not very good. 
So he needs to do a better job with his eye manipulation and not lock in on receivers. Now, again, when you have zone coverage, there are going to be voids in the zone. That means guys are open. So I called up Evan Kaplan, our guy, our guru for NFL stats and information. I said, what does next-gen stats have on Carson Wentz throwing to open receivers? And he said, Sal Pal, next-gen stats says that Carson Wentz has the second lowest completion percentage in the NFL right now throwing to open receivers. Only Drew Locke is worse. Now, if you be quiet for a second, you can hear the cars going off the road right now on Schuylkill Expressway because they're listening to this show, and I just compared Carson Wentz to Drew Locke. Now, nothing against Drew Locke. He's a nice young man. But Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback with $128 million in his pocket, and he should not be compared to Drew Locke in any category. But that's really bad, right? He's missing open receivers, and he is locking on guys, and that is a big problem. Let me me ask you this before we let you get out of here, Sal. Now, you obviously know Doug Peterson more than anybody. I mean, period. And you also know Brett Favre. Those comments by Brett Favre, did he get – and you know how this thing goes. You, your buddies with – they played against – played with each other. They kind of know each other. They're quarterbacks. Maybe Doug is having a conversation with Brett about Carson versus Nick Foles, and Brett takes that Nick Foles conversation and moves it to his radio, and now all of a sudden it becomes a national story. Is there anything there at all? King, you know I love you. You know I respect you. I respect the question. And there's, the answer is absolutely no way. No. And you're right. Publicly and privately, I know exactly what Doug Peterson is thinking about this. He is totally 100% behind Carson Wentz. It's no question about it. Red Favre was talking on his own. And I got to tell you, it caused a lot of agita in the Peterson household. There's no question. Because you knew that people were going to draw that conclusion because nobody is closer as player in his playing career than Brett Favre was to Doug Peterson. They're buds. The night before the Super Bowl in the Radisson Hotel in Minneapolis, who did Doug Peterson ask to come in and speak to the team? Brett Favre. Mm. So they're very, very close. Favre addressed the team. Favre addressed Nick Foles the night before the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz was sitting right there. So you know they're super close. But I, I'm telling you flat out, that was just Brett being Brett. Mm. It had nothing to do with what Doug said. All right. Very interesting. We should note for those that are not aware that Doug Peterson spent two stints in Green Bay as the backup to Brett Favre. So that's why the relationship is so close. That Sal Palantonio on the Schuylkill, weather and traffic <laughs> on the 10s. Thank you, Sal. <laughs> All right, Sal. <laughs> He's also live local and late-breaking. Okay. On the way, Tua, very cathartic with one of the most honest statements you'll ever hear, even though he's barely started his NFL career. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And if you don't have a rooting interest in the NFL, rooting for Tua is the story you want. Two ankle surgeries, a dislocated hip could have ended his career, and he is Man, back. Man, he supposed to be at USC. Mm, Did you know right? that? They were, he was going to transfer to USC. No, if he could he was, not. No, he was supposed to originally go to USC. What happened to the wire transfer? <laughs> no, Lane, transfer? no Lane got fired. <laughs> oh, Lane got fired. Yeah, that's what happened. Lane got fired, and then Sark took over, and then he wind up going. He wind up going to uh, Alabama. On the back end, I will tell you that Tua said, had he not been able to get on the field and pass Jalen Hurts, he could have gone to USC and transferred out of Alabama. Then he came into that championship game, and then obviously did, it was his. Did job. the wires not go through? <laughs> I was just asking. Just stop. What? I can say this. <laughs> Hawaii is a lot damn closer to California than it is Alabama. We'll leave it at that. Okay. And also College Park for his brother, Talia. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by And we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. All of our guests on the shelf. It's a lot easier for the family to travel rather than move, but we'll leave it at that. Get him, Key. Key referencing the fact that, too, his family moved to Alabama when he played there. the marketplace is a hell of a lot of guys do that. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin. cheaper in Alabama. Wink, wink. Cost of living. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Barbasol. Choose Barbasol shaving cream for a thick lather and close, comfortable shave. Barbasol, the American original for over 100 uh, years. Better by Barbasol. If Key, of course, Key is just joking here because two is one of well, the most likable guys. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Clean it up for me, Zubin. Way to clean it up. Way to, Zubin. Zubin. Way to clean it up. Yeah. Make everything it. right. Yes. Now, listen, two is one of the most likable guys in football. And generally speaking, when you're at one of these press conferences on Wednesday or Thursday, almost all the questions are about install. What are we going to do? How's your chemistry with the head coach? What do you think of Brian? Flores, all these questions for a first-time quarterback that's just starting his NFL career. Almost all the questions are about the physical, how you feeling, what's going on. But Tua took it in a different direction yesterday when addressing the fact that, sure, he was once unassailable and he has enough awareness to realize he'll never be that way again. Oh, man. I don't know if I'll ever be my old self because when something dramatic like that happens, it, it it's just a continuous process. I think for me, just continuing to focus on what I need to do to continue to strengthen the muscles around um, my hip and, and so forth, and just continue to stay on rehab. But it, it, it's been a journey. It's just been a journey. And he's talking the mental journey. Yeah. I I was going to say, I don't really even think too, is talking about from an injury standpoint. I think he's just talking about the mental aspect of everything and, and maybe how sometimes you take things for granted and you think so you know, uh, protecting himself out on the field, the style of play, the way things went at Alabama in terms of of his style of play, not sliding, not doing some things that he probably would have done had he thought differently. Because when you're when you're two and you're coming from Hawaii and you're just dominant and you you see Marcus Mariota, a guy that was is from Hawaii that you kind of idolized and watched grow up and become a rock star at Oregon and go on to, to be a Heisman guy and a, and, a, and a top pick in the draft and all of those sort of things, sometimes you just kind of 
just sit back and chill. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of from a from just knowing from a Polynesian culture, being around them, having many friends from being out west. They, they everything is just kind of reserved and chill. It's like they don't. There's no stress that sets in at all. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what he's talking about from from that standpoint. You know, but when you look at it, I think he can get back to being to a the football player, no question about it. But this goes into a deeper conversation. Mm-hmm. The the Miami Dolphins have to do like some of these other teams with young quarterbacks, go out and get him a bona fide big time wide receiver. And they got a lot of capital to do that. They'll be able to do it with a lot of draft picks that they have uh, accumulated. When you think about a team like Buffalo, they went out and got Cole Beasley from the Dallas Cowboys and free agents. See, then they transferred or they traded for Stephon Diggs. Mm -hmm. You think about the Arizona Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins along with Kristen Kirk. Or you think about what they did for Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. Or you think about what the Rams did with young Jared Goff and deciding that we're going to go get Robert Woods. We're going to draft Cooper Cup. We're going to get Reynolds. They just continue to keep building with young quarterbacks. That's something, Jay, that the Dolphins certainly have to do if they want to see a guy like Tua continue to progress within their offense. I agree with you. I, you know, listening to him obviously talk about some aspects of rehab, about his hip and about going to physical therapy and continue to build in that category. I think all that makes sense. But I don't think Tua was talking about anything physically. I think when you become injured, when you see the game potentially being stripped away from you, you can never be the same. It gives you an alternate perspective, right? Like, like I've been through this. Like, I was able to make it back on the court not the same way, obviously, as what I was before. But still, there's an appreciation that you have. And I, I, I go back to that picture that we had of Tua laying on the field mm-hmm. by himself, taking all that in, just recognizing, like, there was a chance I may not ever be here. Key, you know about this. We've seen guys get hit the wrong way. Yeah, oh, yeah. We've seen quarterbacks get hit the wrong way where that's it. It's over. So – we like the plan in this society, right? In five years, I'm going to do this. I'm sure everybody, when you're a rookie, you come into the league, right? Here's my five-year plan. I'll get through the first couple of years, and I'll be on my way, or I'll, I'll be a Super Bowl champion. And for him, that plan almost went out the window like that. Mm-hmm. He, he never almost had a chance to have a plan. So you never approach anything the same way that you used to before the injury occurred. The, 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 the injury happened, and Tua was the number one rated quarterback from – beginning, right? He was supposed to be the guy off the board. And all of a sudden, there's a guy named Joe Burrow who emerges. And then there was a guy named Justin Herbert who's going to face in the same draft class. They go one, two, and three. He's going to see him this weekend. And the luxury about Justin Herbert is he went to a team that had some receivers there in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, big-time wide receivers in their own right, already there to help Justin Herbert gel as he moves forward. But when you look at it, Either one of these two teams, whether the Dolphins would have taken Justin Herbert and Tua would have fell to the, the San Diego Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, I think both of them would have been in good hands. One thing we should mention, if you're not familiar with the picture, after those first couple of passes he threw in the NFL, he sat down on the field, as Jay referenced, right where the game ended, picked up the phone, called his parents and said, can you believe we're here? Can you believe Dan Marino was trending last night on Thursday Night Football? We'll tell you why. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.